back to the Trick Carving Buds podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. What's up, Creepers? Ready for another one? They're ready for another freeloader. Yep. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we talk about the Super Bowl at the end of the show just because we don't want to make it too much of a trend for those of you that aren't sports fans or football fans or whatever of like talking for 10 minutes before every true crime episode about sports. So if you want to hear my thoughts and Michael's thoughts on the Super Bowl and stuff, stay tuned after the outro. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. So yeah, that's but fair as, because this is our first episode after the Super Bowl. So yeah, we had to know, bring it up. And Lauren's favorite team, the 49ers, was in the Super Bowl, if you didn't know. And fucking blew it. And <laughs> <laughs> Broke my goddamn heart again. So we'll talk about it at the end That's of the show. Neither here nor there. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Let's not go into it again. Because uh, this week we got uh, Family Man of the Year, pretty much, um, for 2018. Uh, oh, really? Family Man of the yeah. Year? Yeah. Chris Man, Watts. who was all running? Oh, Chris Watts. Just who? It was a one-man race, really. Oh, I didn't know if it was him and then Bill Cosby. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Right. Just, no, I mean, Chris Watts would still take the cake on that as okay. far as Family Man goes. I yeah. Mean, Right. Man of the year, maybe could have gone to, to Cosby for that year. Well, Bill Cosby, he's America's dad, you know. He was, he thought he was, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was for a Such long a time. sweetheart, that guy. You know, fuck that guy. He was always, like, the guy that was preaching to other comedians on how to be a man and, like, don't curse and all that shit. And, of course, he was the one that was roofing women and taking advantage of them. So, yeah, those of you that think he's innocent, uh, come see me. <laughs> Come see me. <laughs> we'll have a we'll have a Cosby debate. We right. should do a Cosby ep, man. He's in he's in our uh, he's in our realm now. He crossed that over. That would be a fun one. That would be a fun one. Yeah, it would be. That'd be very like much like the uh, the yogi guru guy, Bikram. Oh yes, yeah. We had Everybody a lot of fun full with that episode. And it's a comeback. Well, <clears throat> but this week we've got uh, our own scumbag, man. This guy. This is one of the harder cases to study. I'm sure it was for you too, having kids. Absolutely. God, just, I mean, everything that, everything about a father, he broke every law about that, you know? I mean, you're supposed to protect your kids and all that, and we'll get into it. Let's let's play the intro, and is, it, this one is uh, not for the faint of heart. If you have kids or if you're sensitive, I mean, I don't know why you're listening to a true crime podcast then, but some people, like, they're cool with most crime, but the kid stuff gets to them, so just a warning, this one has violence to, to children, so right. Be aware. you might want to tap out now. That's right. All right. Let's jump into it. Here we go. Describe your little girls to us, and you know. So Celeste, she's just a ball of energy. She's called her rampage because she's like she's just always. It's, she's got two speeds: go or she's sleeping. And she's always a troublemaker. She's always the one like jumping off things, you know, and just yelling at you and all kinds of things. And Bella, she's the more calm, cautious, mothering type. And she's she's more like me. She's more calm. She's but uh, Celeste has definitely got. Her mom's personality to where she's always just gung-ho, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, not, not, everybody's going to have their own opinion on, on anything like this. I just want them people to know that I want my family back. Like, I want them safe, and I want them here. Like, this house is not the same. I mean, I, last night was traumatic. Last night was, I, I can't really stay in this house again, like, with nobody here. Last night, I wanted I, I wanted that knock on the door. I wanted to see the, I wanted to see the kids running, running, just barrel rush me, and just give me a hug, and knock me on the ground. But that didn't happen. Tell me about what you were thinking. I was. I was thinking it's what happened. Yeah. Or any partial hint of. What I feel for those girls and what I feel for my wife, but nothing, none of this would have happened. So I, don't, I wasn't thinking. 
me what happened there. She said, what happened to Cece? Or she asked, it's the same thing, the exact same thing that happened to me as Cece. Did she ask you that? Okay. So that was pretty smart. How does she sound when she asked you that question? That, that soft voice she always had. And what exactly did she say? She said exactly the same thing that happened to me in CC. And then I said, I don't even remember what I said. Okay. I don't know if I just said yes like a horrible person or if I just put, this, put that blanket over her too and did the same thing. Same blanket, same way? Mm-hmm. Okay. She said, no, daddy. All right, our case this week is Chris Watts. Um, some people call him the family annihilator. Wow, really? It's kind of a weird term. Yeah, it's kind of a weird term that's I don't kind of like being that. created, but it makes him sound like a fucking superhero. Or yeah, something. I don't, I don't, I don't like, like that. Either. I don't like that at all. I don't like the connotation. And it just, yeah, and it's, it's also almost disrespectful to the family too. You know, it's just like I don't know. It just draws weird images. Right, like is unnecessary. Like if somebody was really good at their job at at like pest control, you could call them the bug annihilator. Like, yeah, that's cool. Right. But the family annihilator? No, nah, man, you don't. Mm-mm. No. You don't you don't annihilate families? That's, no, that it's, yeah, it's one of the tougher cases to study. But you know, we we cover all spectrums. We cover this is obviously one of the more well known cases that we've done. But we like to get a good mix of well known, very popular cases and also lesser known. Like people like both. So. We get a lot of we get a lot of reviews for people that say they love the cases that we choose that are lesser known, but then we also get ones, you know, we constantly get people requesting us to do people like Chris Watts and like the bigger name serial killers and stuff. So Right. And I think that's because true crime has grown to such a grown to such a genre that people want to hear different opinions. Yeah. It's like you you listen to certain people and you're like, Oh, I tend to agree with, with what they say or I or I or they usually have an interesting point of view that I hadn't thought of. So regardless of how many times you've heard this case you know, your favorite podcasters or newscasters or whatever will have a different point of view. It's like, it's almost like with sports, you know, you'll hear the same story four or five times throughout the day, but you'll hear it from different people. Yeah. And And we also love to, we also love to pick like really hateable characters that we can shit on. And this guy's up there with the best fucking true sociopath. Like, dude, what was the other guy that got the Mockingbird massacre? Yeah. Yep. He's with like him. I, I hate these fucking cases. Done out of complete selfish reasons, you know? Yes. Not because he... It it was a sociopathic uh, freaking... What do you think? Like a breakdown? Yeah. Well, he was a a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know? And he he played himself to be for so long as, like, the perfect father and husband and all this. And then it turns out the whole time, like, he was just acting the whole time. That's so I mean, you have to wonder if he ever had any feelings for his family at all. You know, right. he tries and then to the act way like they he does, met but too. It's, uh, it's creepy. Oh, right. He pretty much like just wouldn't leave her alone until she. He just stuck around like a virus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they met online too. So yeah, yeah. That's so creepy, dude. But and it's also one of the more recent cases we've ever done. But it's also it's it's in that perfect window where it's like it's there's also conclusion to it and like we. I don't know if we'll ever know more than what we know at this point. We've found out more recently, you know, like, so there was a mystery for a little while as to why he did it, what he did. And now it's kind of, he's come out and, uh, in different writings to people and in different interviews, we've, we think we've, as a media source kind of whittled down the truth of what happened. Right. 
um, through different out- media outlets yeah. and Dr. Phil and all that. Dr. Phil actually had a pretty good podcast series on him, uh, a few episodes. I forget what it's called, but I like his take Doc- on the psychology of it. He was basically saying, like, yeah. behind bars, he tried to do the whole born-again Christian thing, and uh, Dr. How'd Phil just ain't out? having it. He's just not having it. He's like, this He's is he, he broke it down as to, like, this is a narcissist who is – this is his means of getting attention now from behind bars. He's trying to get people to forgive him and like, but it's, it's, that makes sense. He doesn't Dr. truly Phil, believe in Christ or anything like that. He's just literally doing calculations in his head. How can I get some people to still like me after this monstrous act that I've done? Exactly. Exactly. And the only way to do that is yeah. to, is to win over some religious people because they, there are some, there are religions. Well, most religions say that you can be forgiven for anything. Yeah. Except for blasphemy, so yeah. I mean that is the only circle he could ever enter again. But I, mm-hmm. I just don't see how even those people could, could, could give the, someone like him another chance. It just right. doesn't. Well, he, Doctor Phil, even went into the the mindset of the people that rally around him after becoming a born again Christian behind bars. That 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 they even have some some of the same tendencies to like they they're like putting themselves on this pedestal like you other people don't aren't willing to forgive and accept but we are you know like it's like, yeah. yeah but a lot of those people are, have and and are doing horrible things yeah and so when you you know misery loves company mm-hmm. too there's a lot of that going on and none of us are perfect so when you right. start applying that to i mean you, you can get carried away that's yeah, it's it's easy another, to find supporters for anything and it's another case where he the person this monster gets locked up and a lot of uh women start writing to him and saying that you know they, they're in love with him and they want to want nothing more than him to write back dr phil went into a lot of that he oh, went into Jesus. some different writings of women that did that so it's just like uh, yeah it's wow, weird there's really? a lot of hypocr- hypocrisy out there and has it always been your dream to be killed by your husband that you, <laughs> right well i think part for? of that is that they know that they'll, this person will never get out so it's like you don't have to worry about that you know they get the bad boy, but they also don't have to worry about the consequences because he's never going to be able to kill him. So they just get the... It's just the fantasy is enough for a lot of them, isn't it? I guess so. Or the attention, too. He went into that. You know, like there's yeah. been some women well. that have done this in the past and then later came out and said their intentions were to just... They just wanted to be a part of it. You know, there was this big news story type of thing, just interjecting themselves into it. Oh, yeah. I can see that for sure. So There were some witnesses in this case that I think were doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think so? We'll see. All right. Well, let's get into it. So Christopher Lee Watts and Shanann Catherine Watts were natives of Spring Lake in Aberdeen, North Carolina when they met. Um, they met in 2010. Uh, Shanann had a previous marriage that had failed, and she had recently been diagnosed with lupus, and she was going through a really hard time during this time. Right. Um, she had a lot of doctor's visits she had to go on. She was basically told that she wouldn't be able to have children, which, you know, made her sad. And, um, during this time, uh, she was not really looking for anyone, but her friends, uh, tried to set her up with this guy named Chris. Um, mm-hmm. she kind of like shrugged her shoulders at it and kind of, uh, was like, yeah, I'm not really looking. And then, but he started to like, he had heard about her from these friends and like Facebook friend her, uh, sent her a friend request and she accepted it. This is through her own words. She would do a lot of um, online, she had an online like, presence, you know. She yeah, was, like video logging. She vid- did a lot of vlogging. Yeah. yeah. One of the documentaries I watched started with one of her vlog videos. Yeah, I think and I watched the same I, one. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. The way that, that uh, documentary was shot, it was very good. It was very, uh, 
It was a little it was a little too thorough for me. Some stuff could have been left out. Yeah. Um I, there was a lot of there's a lot of stuff you got to wade through, but I understand why they thought it was necessary. Most it, of it was necessary. It was cool how it was done. It was basically just different. It it was like different news clippings mixed with different recordings done from the family themselves, from Shanann. Right. And they just kind of like started at the beginning. You know, the beginning is her talking on her patio to her phone, to her Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever about right. how she met Chris and how great of a relationship they have and all that. Um, but basically after meeting, uh, she well, she accepts the friend request and she's like, "What? I'll never meet him. Nothing will come of this anyway. He just started, I guess, messaging her, sliding into the DMs or whatever and <laughs> yeah. and just kind of stuck around and he showed himself to be this really uh, great guy. He would go take her to all of her doctor appointments, and um, she couldn't believe how how good he was with her going through this condition that you know required so much time and energy that he was always by her side and all that. So she ended up saying that she fell in love with him. He just wouldn't go away. He was like this virus that stuck around and um, did all the right things. And next thing you know, they were married in 2012, two years after meeting. Um, Shanann would be 34 years old at this time. And they would go on to be married for six years and have two young daughters. Even though she had lupus, they went through different means of um, of uh, fertilization uh, through the medical field, like in vitro, which was very expensive and ended up uh, playing a role in their later bankruptcy as they racked up a ton of debt with her medical. But it was successful. It was successful, yeah. And I'm sure they would have said it was worth it. You know, at least she would have. We see what he does later, so maybe not. But. Uh, I feel like he's just—he's one of those dudes where he just—he just is a bitch in that he plays along with stuff, even though he doesn't want. He—he he couldn't speak up for himself for so long and right. say what he really wanted, you know. And he just kind of like went along. And then at a certain point, Dude, he I, got to this point where he was like, "I don't—I don't want this life. I never wanted this life." And it's like, "Well, you should have been fucking. You should have said that from the beginning. You should have said something right? from the from be a the man beginning. and say something. You know, you know that video she takes where she's trying to surprise him mm-hmm. and tell him that they're having another very baby. telling. Dude, he doesn't look impressed at all. He doesn't look excited. He's like, that's awesome. Right. That's awesome. Some bad acting on He's that like, part. Yeah. I was like, what? Right. I was like, dude, you should be like hugging and crying and shit. Like this woman couldn't have children. Right. She was told she would never have children. It's like, I, I don't know. It, it just rubbed me the wrong way. The way that he just kind of shrugged that off and then he got off camera like immediately. Mm-hmm. He got out of the way of her phone or camera or whatever. But also at the same time, I mean, how would you feel though? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd want that moment. I, if it, I don't know if it was live or if she was recording it to post it later. But I don't know if I'd want that moment live. That's kind of a private moment, you know. But so I don't know. If, oh no, I totally agree. I would have if my wife was doing that. I'd be like, turn that damn phone off. But we don't do that kind of stuff to yeah. each other. But but I mean, but it seemed like that's what they did. I mean, she was a video logger. He should have been used to this type of life. If he didn't like this type of thing, again, he should have spoke yeah. up and been like, "I don't want to be part of your vlogs." And and also, you know I, mean? I think it's a it's a di- little bit different scenario than most because she was in a basically like a the the industry she was in. Uh, this type of thing was to help her business, which was like a pyramid scheme. The company she worked for was Lavelle. Uh, a level mark, oh. a multi-level marketing company, which it's even called level. Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, and she was selling a product called Thrive, which was is like a supplement type of thing that's supposed to make you have all this energy and get way more stuff done and have the perfect life. Of course. And so she Miracle was su- a supplement. Again. Yeah, she was. Her life was a product that she was selling. Essentially, she was tell, you know telling the world all the time how great her life is because of this company she works for. So I, I see it from that end. Like he should have understood like. 
maybe maybe she did have tendencies to be you know broadcast her life already but then also this is you know helping your helping you guys get more money which you obviously need because you spend money at an incredible rate um right right and that's just part of any business now honestly yeah, marketing yourself and you have yeah and it, and it's free marketing everybody has the opportunity so yeah yeah. But. So as we briefly mentioned, but we didn't really get into, they would have their two young daughters. The first one would be Bella Marie in 2013. And then Celeste uh, Catherine would come in 2015. And at this point, um, uh, leading up in 2018, she announced that she was pregnant again with uh, this time with a boy. And that was that video where she was she put on the shirt. She, you can find this on YouTube. A lot of videos that she made of her playing with her kids, which are just heartbreaking and then interactions with her and Chris, and one of them was the one where she has this shirt on that says, oops, we did it again, and she basically waits for him to walk in the room, and he sees the shirt, and his reaction is just so so telling, as we we mentioned. I I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, and like you said, though, Lauren, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it again, it is kind of an awkward situation, like you're walking home. You're probably not expecting that at all. You have have your whole day's worth of work on your mind, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. If this guy doesn't go on to do what he does, do we say, "Oh, that's a weird reaction he has there"? Right. I, I don't know, you know, but but it just seemed like it wasn't quite as excited as I would have been, especially if he. But she didn't say that it, that they were having a boy at the time. Right. No, I don't think she right? knew yet. I think it was early on. Okay. Uh, okay. I think that really. Th- where I'm at is with that situation is like, I would be cool with it if my wife did it, if it was a video that wasn't live, you know, if it was live and then I'm like, I don't know. I wish you wouldn't have broadcasted. Like maybe take the video. And then if, uh, if we decide later, do we wanted to post it or whatever, just cause it was a cool reaction or whatever, but right. Yeah. Give me, give me the option of whether you're going to post That's that or right. not type of thing. That's but, right. Do it for yourself first. And she, and that may have been, right. That may have been the case with that video. Because I do like seeing, I do like seeing uh, reaction videos, like when people tell their parents that they're having a kid and they're going to have a grandkid and stuff like that. Oh yeah, grandparents, yeah. they get those, those great. they get more excited than anybody. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so the due date for their newest uh, child, which was going to be a son, which they later decided to name, uh, was the name was going to be Nico Lee. Um, so he was going to have his first son. Cool You'd name. think he'd be super ecstatic about it, but it didn't seem that way. Um, the family lived in a five-bedroom home in Frederick, Colorado, purchased purchased in 2013. So they would end up moving to Colorado, uh, I believe, like, I don't know if they had the kids first, or I think it was during that whole process of having their daughters. Uh, they'd gone on a trip there with some friends to, to meet some friends yeah. in Colorado and just fell in love with the place, I guess. And um, That makes sense. Ended up buying a, a, beautiful a place. huge house there, freaking five-bedroom, just cathedral, <laughs> just a massive home. Yeah, it was one of those newer style neighborhoods. Yeah, like a track like, When I was watching project. the documentary, I was like, oh man, they're in the Southwest. Because mm-hmm. they were talking about how they were from North Carolina. And I was like, they ain't in North Carolina in this documentary. I was like, I know where that place, I know what that looks right. like. <laughs> I was like, I know what that Southwest, because I was like, are they in Vegas, seriously? No, yeah, it did look It looked like a <laughs> Vegas neighborhood. But it was a, like a suburb yeah, outside of uh, Colorado, not far from Denver, I believe. Oh, a okay. small town outside okay, cool. of Denver. That makes sense. Um, Chris would end up getting a job for Anadarko Petroleum. Um, so they basically uh, had oil and gasoline and stuff as a big uh, manufacturing plant type of thing. I don't know if they just stored it there mm. and sold or what, what happened, but kind of a creepy place when you find out what happens yeah. later. I'll sell petroleum and petroleum accessories. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Shanann ended up... Uh, 
getting this this spot in an independent rep, as an independent representative for the multi-leveling par, uh, company Lavelle, as we talked about, and she was doing mm-hmm. really really well at it. She she had a knack for this. She had a, a knack for. Dude, some people do. Yeah. That's why people keep joining. Mm-hmm. It's because some people do make money off of yeah, this. I would be terrible at it because I, I I just I want I want privacy quite often. Yes. You know, like it's an, and I hate bugging people about shit. Right? I am not pushy. I am not a pushy person. I'm like, hey, you don't want to do that? I don't give a shit. I don't want. I don't want you to do it either. Right. I'm I'm just not a pushy person. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, but she was she actually climbed quite fast, and she made it to like one of their higher levels as a representative, and was getting like free all included trips to different places uh, for from Lavelle, and uh, yeah, she was one of the few people that does really well in these type of marketing schemes. Um, however, they still spent way beyond their means, and a lot of it, I'm sure, was due to her medical, the different medical bills. I don't know what kind of insurance they had, but. I'm sure with all the lupus right. treatment she was going through and then all of the uh, fertilization stuff to have the kids they had. Uh, and then also, if you look at their house, um, like... Uh, also, a quick a quick note, dude. I'm not I'm not an insurance specialist or anything, but I'm about 90% sure that, that in vitro stuff was not, not covered. Not covered, right. Yeah, that's... Because that's not considered a necessity. Exactly. You don't need that to live. Right. You don't have to have children. Yeah, and it, so all of that treatment was coming out of and pocket, And it is sure. very, very expensive. Oh, absolutely. And then also their lifestyle was very, very expensive. Part of what goes along with that perfect uh, family image that she was trying to portray to, you know, for Lavelle, you know, she wanted to make it look like you can be me too if you you join this marketing scheme, this pyramid scheme thing that she's a part of. Um, And part of that meant you had to have a really nice house and you had to have, you know, a nice car and you had – so – their house right. well you don't want to sell it driving a hoopty car yeah. and living in a trailer you can have my life like, too as i drive me. in this beat up pinto <laughs> <laughs> no thanks uh <laughs> yeah um so they would their house and she had a like a, a massive walk-in closet was with i don't know a couple hundred pairs of shoes and I, I, I they had a you know a lush lifestyle that ended up amassing more than seventy thousand dollars of debt for unpaid credit cards, medical bills, and student loans. They even uh, were due to go to court before this incident with their HOA because they hadn't been paying their HOA dues either. So just kind of letting a lot of stuff slide, and they ended up filing bankruptcy in 2015 um, with the United States Bankruptcy Court in Denver. Shannon and Chris Watts reported their two savings accounts contained just $3.51 and $6, respectively. At the same time, their checking account contained a little more than $860. So... With their lifestyle, yeah, they're eating off the dollar menu. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, so and just using the credit card for everything as long as they can before that gets cut off. Wow, I wonder <clears> what, <throat> what what was going on. Was their business just? It was just they just couldn't keep up, right? Yeah, everything was still probably trucking the way it was. I feel like they were they were bringing in decent money. I think he was making like sixty five grand for the uh, petroleum company, and you know she was doing yeah. well with Lavelle. But I feel like. They couldn't, the lifestyle, like the more money they made, the more they were going to spend. I just feel like they were in that trap. Well, that's, and Colorado, man, living near Denver, mm-hmm. that's a high cost of living right yeah. there, especially coming from, coming from the South. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's, that's a freaking game changer. Yep. I mean, I don't know if they were doing the same type of work, but I mean, but like you said, they were part of, part of her job was selling her lush, luxur, luxurious mm-hmm. life. Yeah. So, so everything in their house was the highest end, you know, it was just right, money right. everywhere. Um, Shanann Watts Facebook page painted a, por- a portrait of a happy married life, a woman dedicated to her husband and their two young children. 
She called her husband my rock and said he was the best dad us girls could ask for. Um, and so this, it, it all seemed like the fairy, fairy tale, you know, magical life uh, that everyone wants. Um, however, things were, you know, the people that knew them best, like her friends, started to see things. You know, they started to hear things from Shanann. She had some suspicions. And also they heard that, you know, they had, they knew that they had this lush lifestyle. But at the same time, they heard about the bankruptcy and the credit card debt and all that. Friends mm-hmm. Nicholas and Amanda Thayer later said that Shanann had previously expressed concerns of infidelity to them. Uh, quote, it came to her mind that possibly he could be cheating. Um, and that that was not unfounded. She, you know, a lot of times you get no. these suspicions and... You know, there's there for a reason because you can right. tell your your significant other is acting a little bit off. They're trying to hide something, and That's he was right. not a good liar and not a good actor. So I can only imagine. No, he was terrible at it. I I don't think he cheated for very long. I think all this kind of spiraled out of control right there at the end. Yeah, well, one one, one thing that's kind of funny is I I don't think he was cheating for very long either because one the one thing that made Shanann feel better and what she said to her friends was, I feel like he might be cheating, but at the same time he has no game. So. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm you saying. You see how like, awkward he is, you know? Like, yeah, there's no, this is not a, a guy who could have lived a double life for any length of time. No. And maybe he knew no, it. All this exploded right at the end. He made a couple bad decisions and it all just exploded in his face and he couldn't hide it. Yeah. And so the affair he would end up um, having that she was suspicious about unfolded as Shannon and the girls, Shannon and the girls spent several weeks away from Watts over the summer visiting Shannon's family back in North Carolina. Uh, a period during which Shannon continuously reached out to him in hopes of repairing their struggling marriage. So they were having troubles, you know, they had financial troubles and also I think they were just kind of growing apart. Things can get tough when you have young children and you have to, you have to work at it. And I don't think they were working at it very much because he was a narcissist, you know, and, and well, she may have some, had a, some about- slight narcissistic tendencies as well with, you know, constantly portraying everything, every minute of their life online. It's kind of hard to have intimate moments and, have a real yeah. solid relationship when it's constantly out there for everybody. Right. And when your kids when your kids are that young, especially for a narcissist, it's it's difficult to process that because it, it, there's no you time, mm-hmm. there's no you activities, and then when there is, there's guilt. Yep. You know what I mean? So you feel like you have to hide everything that you're doing for yourself or do it in smaller amounts and a lot of people can't make that sacrifice. Yeah. A lot of people are not ready to make that sacrifice, nor are they will they ever be ready. Because, I mean, if if yourself is the only thing that's ever on your mind, having two or three young kids, <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be tough, man. It's gonna as they start to get older and have their own lives and personalities, then you kind of you kind of get your identity back as a solo person. But for a while, you're so and so's dad yep. or so and so's mom, and that's tough for people to fall into that into that role. Yeah, and you have to you, know? you have to know your significant other and allow them to have some me time. You know, like yes. my wife and I are pretty in a pretty good when zone possible, with that, yeah. where I let her, you know, I'll take the kids and let her go out and have some time with her horses and and play with them and whatnot. And she'll let me go down yes. and work out in the basement, so I get that time in. She lets me go to jujitsu a couple of times a week, so I can still have my own identity. Right. You know, it's Im- so exactly important. I was about to say you got to have your own identity, man. It makes it's you know, and it's a good example for your children. Yep. Yeah, to I not mean, just only, be dad, to still have your own things yeah, going on. Exactly. Show them how to live. Show them how to be an individual person. Don't just show them how to be a dad. Show them how to be a happy person, Yeah, you know, all around. And it takes that kind of time management for sure. Yeah. Um, a period during which Shanann continuously reached out to him in hopes of repairing their struggling marriage. The documents 
some documents re- revealed that later came out. In a text sent to her friend, uh, Addie Shanann wrote out the entire speech she planned to deliver on Monday after she had returned home and got some rest. So yeah, their their relationship was coming to a point where it was like make or break. It was like she was still trying to, she still had hope, I think, and he had already decided what was going to happen, you know, and we see it, we see it manifest itself. Um, she, in, in this letter that she was going to deliver to him, she, it said, can you please tell me something? Because just like you, in my, I'm in my head. I try to fix things and make them better, and this is making me crazy. I know that you need time. I want to give you what you're asking for and respect your space. I need some time. This place that I'm in, in my head, is not a good place. Um, and also, she said, it is not healthy for me or Nico. I need you to help. I need you to help me help you. I need you to give me just a little bit of what I did or didn't do. So I'm going crazy in my head trying to figure it out. I know I can't fix this by myself, that we are going to have to work together. So it sounds like he was, he had become smitten with this woman at work to me during this he, time. And that's what's, mm-hmm. that's where the tension in the relationship is, is that he's, right. he's not there mentally, physically anymore for her and the kids. He's just, he comes home and he's checked out. It sounds like he was going down to the basement and basically being asked to be left alone down there so he could communicate with this yeah. new person. Um, that's the worst thing to do. And sometimes it feels like the most satisfying thing to do in a relationship when you're upset with your significant other or you're not interested in them or for, for even a temporary amount of time. Most people won't admit it. But I think the most satisfying thing to do is to just make them want you. It's like so you just it's like you just pull out mm-hmm. for a little while. You just you you don't engage. You know what I mean? And you you act like something's wrong. I think men and women are guilty of doing yep. this. And this is this is what he's doing right here, but he's not doing that because he needs time and he's not getting it or right. because he's it's, you know it's trying to make her feel tr- more right. He's found something right, new right. and exciting. He's, his life, you know, his family life has become think, boring to him. Right, he's just literally distracted right yep. now. He's not even focusing on that, I don't think. He's trying He's probably not even at home. Really, he? he's trying to find a way out is what it is. In, right, right. In the in the worst way possible, you know, he could have manned up and done it the right way, stayed a father and and had a you know civil divorce type of situation. But mm-hmm. um, so it all leads to uh, this one moment around two a.m. on August thirteenth, twenty eighteen. Shanann's uh, Shanann Watts' friend Nicole At- uh, Atkinson dropped her off at their Frederick home in Colorado following a business trip they had taken together. So they were in Arizona. Uh, on a business trip for Lavelle, and she she got home later than she was supposed to. Chris supposedly was waiting for her. He said that the flight was supposed to come in at 11 or whatever, but it was uh, mm-hmm. running late, and she didn't end up getting home until 2 a.m., um, and it was 1.48 a.m. Uh, that the security camera on a neighbor's home captured Shanann returning from the business trip. Um, this neighbor next door plays a big role in this whole th- investigation because he had he's one of those dudes that had a ton of like uh, cameras, was really into surveillance, and one of his cameras Perfect. caught the Watts' driveway and, and any movement that would go up and down the street. Like, his cameras caught everything. Right. And so mm-hmm. he knew the movings and the comings and goings of his neighbors. He was one of those guys that, really, you love to have around if you're not up to anything. <laughs> you know, if you're not in... Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, as long as you ain't got nothing to right. hide. <laughs> Chris he hates this type of guy, but, uh, you know, everybody else is happy he's around. Um so yeah, his yeah. his cameras capture the driveway and Shanann's friend dropping her off at 1:48 a.m. Um, and her friend uh, her friend basically had told her she you know um, 
Shanann had had a rough day that day on the business trip. She was dealing with, you know, morning sickness and not feeling well, going through the stuff with pregnancy. And also she was stressed out about, you know, what was going on with her relationship, relationship. with Chris. Absolutely. Um, it felt as though they were going to have a big talk when they got back or when she returned. And so, you know, she was having a hard time eating that day and all that. And her friend was worried about her. And she knew that she had an OBGYN um, appointment in the morning as well. And her friend told her, hey, if you want me to come pick you up again in the, tomorrow, I'll take you to your appointment. Um, so just let me know. And so, you know, her friend was invested and was expecting to hear from her in the morning. Um, however, right. when her friend, uh, Nicole, tried to get in touch with her just a few hours later, she couldn't get a hold of her. Um, so that morning, you know, she calls her and she's trying to say, hey, do you need that ride? And nothing, nothing. And it's not like Shanann to not be in touch. She's in touch with everyone, you know, all the time, whether it's Facebook or her, her different friends and, and business associates. Um, and she ended up missing her appointment that morning and her friends growing worried. Um, she decided to call her husband, Chris, at work, um, who was playing coy, of course, and saying that uh, they had had a talk and that he had disclosed to her that he wanted a divorce. This is what he's telling her friend Nicole. And this is news mm -hmm. to Nicole. Nicole knew that Shanann and Chris had had some problems and you know they were trying to work it out, but she, this was news that Chris actually wanted a divorce. And so this might have made her even more worried. You know, What kind of mental state is Shanann in now? She's pregnant now. Her husband just said that he wants to leave her. Um, and right. she can't she, get a hold of her. She could have done anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what Chris tells her. And she actually gets so worried about this. She drives to the house and sees some very abnormal things in, in that Shanann's shoes that she always wears were sitting by the door. Um, they cars they were able to observe that her car was still there. There was no other way for right. her to leave. All the Everything's locked up. The doors are locked. And she's calling the phone, no answer. She's looking through the front windows, and she can't see any movement in there. It doesn't look like anyone's home. And so she ends up calling the police. And at 1.40 p.m., Frederick police were called to the, Watt, the Watts family home to check on Shanann after the friend who dropped her off said she hadn't answered any calls, texts, and had missed her 10 a.m. doctor's appointment. Um, Watts ended up giving – so the police get there, and they're walking around the perimeter, and they, you know, they see all the things that the friend sees, and the friend's telling them – telling the policeman, you know, this is abnormal behavior. We don't know what's going on. We knew that the uh, her and her husband were having a you know, hard time. She just found out that uh, he wants a divorce. And mm -hmm. so um, the cop would actually call. And you can see a lot of this footage from his body cam. That's what's one thing that's cool about newer cases is that they get these different wrinkles. Like a lot of the stuff we cover from the 70s is they don't have these elements, you know. Like we can see so right. much of what went down here. There's so much evidence. Dude, some of the some of the body cam footage was some of my favorite footage in that documentary. Yeah, this, this was... And it's very good quality video, too. These cops are... Very thorough <laughs> policemen, too. Very cameras. good police work here. This, this cop yeah. doing everything right. He, he basically said, you know, I can't go into the house without permission from someone who lives here, is what he's trying to tell. Because, the you know, the friend, Nicole's trying to get the cop to get in some... You know, get get in the house somehow to check on her friend and the kids. Yeah, um, but he's saying you know legally we can't do that until we get permission. So he calls Chris at work, the policeman, and you mm -hmm. must imagine his his oh, panic man. setting in right away already. All, his butthole so puckered up for that phone call. Right, I just did this. It's only been a few hours, and already <laughs> the police are calling me. I'm already going to be arrested. Yep. Um, so uh, Chris would end up giving the police permission to enter the home, but he said, wait, I'm, I'm only 10 minutes away. So just wait for me to get there. Cause the keypad on the garage is broken or whatever. So I'd have to come home and, and actually use my clicker. Uh, mm -hmm. cause the front door was actually like had one of the chain locks or the deadbolt thing that you can't access unless you're inside. So, which is another thing oh, that yeah. 
that basically told the police later that there's no way she could have left her. The kids could not have left that house due to the footage from the neighbor and due to the fact that everything was locked up from the inside and you couldn't, she couldn't have left without her car, without the clicker to the garage. The garage couldn't have been closed because the keypad doesn't work on the outside. Right. He just wasn't a smart fellow. He's a fucking he? idiot, right? It seems he just wasn't a smart what, what blows me away is that we later find out that this was all premeditated. This was planned out somewhat and how Some, sloppy of a job it was. Just really. terribly planned. Right? It seems like a, a crime I'm of glad. passion uh, just because of how stupid, how many loose ends he left. <laughs> but he's just not a bright yeah, guy, I mean, is what it comes down to. He's not. Yeah. Um, so the police would end up getting uh, access to the home after Chris shows up in his work truck and tries to put on the whole act. He's immediately, you can watch how abnormal his behavior is from the police body cam. And it's, he pulls up, he jumps out of his truck, runs around to the passenger side and runs up the, to the driveway and opens the garage. Like, but he's not making eye contact with anyone. He spends most of the time walking around the house, staring at his phone. And we later find out that he was actually talking to his mistress um, on the phone. During this time. Oh, that's what he was doing? Yeah, he was fucking texting his mistress. What a piece of shit. Right? Um, and so, yeah, the, the, there's this awkward walk around through the house checking things. And um, the, the friend Nicole finds uh, Shanann's phone. And you can see the panic when she brings the phone over. And she's caught on body cam footage from the policeman. Like, her phone's here. Like, something is not right. She would never go anywhere without her phone. And then Chris right. disappears from it and comes back carrying her wedding ring. And he's showing it to them like he's surprised, like, her wedding ring's here. You know, and it's, <laughs> I think at this point, the policeman's yeah. trying to take this all in and like, what is going on? Like, this is the strangest call I'm sure he's ever been on. Right. You know, and he actually calls for backup for, I think he calls in his, his detective at the police station because he's like, he yeah. senses something is off here. From the And then they go over and talk to that neighbor, the guy yeah. with all the cameras. Yeah. And he gets even weirder over there. Oh my god! Even the neighbor, even the neighbor, when when Chris walks off, he's like, "This dude's acting weird. This is not right." Yeah, he was like, "He's acting really weird." Because <laughs> they're all standing there. The police officer, the neighbor, and Chris Watts are standing there, yep. along with uh, Shanann's friends as well. Her, her friend Nicole and her friend and Nicole's husband are standing there watching the footage, and you can see. Just you, all you can basically see from the neighbor's camera footage is the truck, his work truck backs into the garage ha- and it's like half sticking out of the garage. So the bed of it mm-hmm. is is in the garage pretty much. And you can kind of see the cab and you can see him loading like a lunchbox and you can see him loading some stuff up. And uh, he makes a lot of trips back and forth. A lot of trips. And it takes him four, right? 50 minutes, I believe it took him to load up that morning, which usually like the the neighbor is very in tune with the movings and comings and goings, as we talked about of everyone in the neighborhood, especially his direct neighbor, Chris and Shanann Watts. And he said he'd never seen him one time back his truck into the driveway like that to load up for work. He would usually have it parked in the street. And the reason for this, Chris had even told people is that he didn't want to get oil on his driveway. This truck, this work truck leaked oil and, you know, they had a beautiful home that was meticulously maintained and he wanted to get oil spots in the driveway. So it was very out of, out mm. of the norm. He'd never okay. done this before where he'd right. loaded up stuff in the morning. And so that was a little odd. And then his behavior is even more odd because he's standing there uh, glancing at the footage every now and then when he's not staring at his phone. And when he catches the, the you know, when he sees the footage that the neighbor has and notices that it's, he's not going to, his angle is not going to be able to capture what he had actually done and that he was in the clear as far as that was concerned. The footage wasn't going to yeah. be the smoking gun. You can see his reaction and it's so chilling. Like he literally like looks and then he like turns around, turns his back to everyone, and takes this giant sigh, 
of relief and puts his hands behind his head and like this giant exhale. And it's so, so obvious to everyone in the room. Like he just gave himself away. Yeah. It's like, why do that now? What? It was such a natural reaction. I don't think he even thought about how other people were viewing him. That's one thing about a narcissist (laughs) and a sociopath is they have a a very hard time reading the room. They think, that's one thing Dr. Phil talked about. He was just saying like, they think that they can convince everyone quite easily. All they have to do is tell them this is what happened and people will just buy it. Like they think that they're likable in a sense, but they, everyone, really they have no they idea really, of how really everyone is looking that. at them, how they're, how they're viewed. They have no social awareness. That's a great point because he definitely has that. He definitely has that illusion. Right. Where, where, yeah, he's just, they have, no, I think it's the point that they have no empathy whatsoever. So they, they don't even know what it looks like through someone else's eyes. They can't even pretend to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, other people looking at me, what could they be thinking other than positive things? Yeah. You know, I mean, (laughs) I mean, just think about the people that you see on the street and the knee jerk uh, judgments you make of them. You know, everyone's doing that. Mm -hmm. But to a narcissist, that stuff is just it just I don't think it really comes into the realm of consideration. Yeah. There's a guy at work who I would I would categorize as a bit of a narcissist. He he will be standing. I'm sure you remember him. I'm not going to say his name, but we, we could be standing around like in the parking lot sometimes before we leave for work and uh, like me and some coworkers and stuff. And he'll just walk mm-hmm. in like we'll be in the mid conversation. Oh. He'll just walk in yep. and just start like <laughs> laughing and start talking about something totally unrelated. And we're all st- literally sitting there rolling our eyes at each other. And he has no idea. Like, I really think it's like he has no idea. He has no idea how he's like, how much of an asshole he's coming across as, you know? No. And, and no, he will he, not he listen really to you. He no will crap. sit there and, and like you'll try to get a word in to like make a conversation. He's only just he won't let you talk. He's just talking, talk, talk, talk. It, it, you're right. You're right. I know exactly who you're talking about. And people told me about him and then my first conversation with him still caught me by surprise i'm like whoa you really aren't here right now are you like we're really not having a conversation you're just talking and there's people standing around that's what's going on it's bad enough one-on-one but when you do that to like a whole group of dudes that were mid-conversation about something it's pretty (laughs) mind-blowing it is is. it's socially mind-blowing it is Um, so yeah, um, some other things that were very odd when they, when they really thought about it, when they were walking around the house is the fact that the bed sheets from the master bedroom were missing. They were, it was just a mattress. That is to me, is like Dude, a that's huge always a red, red flag, flag, right? Yeah. I, I noticed that when they were going through the room creepy, in the documentary. So creepy. I was like, whoa, you, why is that mattress exposed? When you go right? back knowing the result of how things went down, that body cam footage seems so much more just disturbing like at the time at the mm-hmm. time certain things seemed benign like yeah no sheets but now that you know like no sheets on the bed is just odd like how often do you leave your bed just sitting there as a mattress like you you have sheets that you know maybe need to be cleaned and then you have clean sheets that you put on in the meantime while the other ones are being clean it's like it's yeah. like your shirt gets dirty and you just walk around with no shirt you know like you put on Even another fucking shirt you know okay well, let's say you got one set of sheets you're still going to put them back on there that night before you go to bed. You're not going to just sleep on the mattress. I mean, I know people have, but what I'm saying is if you have the choice, you're going to you're gonna throw the sheets back on there. So it, the chances of them finding that one little window of time yeah, when she just happens to be washing the supposed one set of sheets, it's just not likely. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in a house like that, having the vehicles that they had, the decorations that they had. They had more sheets. They probably had like a thousand thread count or some shit. Right. Egyptian oh, cotton. for sure. They had the best. Um, so that, that is that Monday that this all goes down. And by Tuesday, it became a full on media circus. Tuesday, August 14th at 7am, the Frederick police decided that this was a strange enough incident 
that they were going to call in the assistance of the FBI and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation in the search for Shanann and the girls. Uh, the CBI issued a missing endangered alert for the, th- uh, for the three that day, and the media caught on to this story, and they started uh, showing up at the house, the Watts residence, and interviewing Chris, who actually agreed to do these interviews, and, and uh, it didn't help his case at all. It just made him, I don't know, he tried to play the role of the loving husband who just wants his family back, but he was no good at it. You can just tell there's no real emotion there. There's no tears. There's just... I don't know. It, it, to me, it's it's another just another damning thing on his part where it's just like, dude, you're you're not any good at this. Don't you should have just stayed in the dark and said you're too distraught to, you know, to make any statements at this time. You want you just you're busy looking for your family as opposed to doing these interviews and. Right, and then the, <laughs> and you know he just turned around and was like, nailed it. Right, exactly. For sure, he's <laughs> like they're totally buying this. Totally. Um, a quote from one of his interviews done by the local media was, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I just need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete without anybody here. Um, to me, there would have been way more emotion and anger. And you know, he was basically saying this as if he was just like reading the newspaper. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. And like you said, if your family goes missing the next day, I'm not doing. I'm not getting on the news the next day. I'm trying to find them. Yeah, well, I'm. Like, I'm I don't doing know. I whatever see, I can do. I could see uh, maybe doing at the like police a police station a, working with people. I could see doing a quick thirty second interview with uh, the media. Be like, hey, I'm going to make one statement and plead for anyone in the in the you know anyone in the community to please call if they see or hear anything. And um, and it would definitely be emotional. It wouldn't be the way he did it. Right. He was one. It was a right. yeah. classic example of, yeah. of a person who's guilty to trying out. to overexplain everything. He was doing that with when the police showed up the, the initial day on Monday, and we're doing the walk around. He was overexplaining everything, and that's what guilty people do. Like they they just keep talking and talking, and usually they dig themselves a hole if they're not good at mm-hmm. it. You know. Yeah, and plus cops are they're they're listening for you to slip up mm-hmm. at any moment, and detect especially detectives. Yeah, you know they're listening to these these alibis and you're like you said you're eventually going to put your foot in your mouth yep which i think he did quite often yeah and so by tuesday i think by the end of the day the police and after bringing in the fbi and observing chris's behavior and also taking into account like the fact that there's no other option i mean they really they really looked at this house and it was locked down from the inside the only way like the only way a person the the uh, shanann and those kids could have left was out the garage and the only time the garage was open was when Chris left for work that morning when he was loading up for 50 minutes. Once that garage was closed, it never opened again. The, the neighbors' cameras mm-hmm. never caught that garage opening again. And every, every yeah, lock was locked in a sense that they couldn't <laughs> have been locked from the outside like that. That's right. The only way in or out That's was from I'm the garage. Saying. He was not bright, thank God. Right. And so the police turned their attention to him, and on Wednesday, investigators start to consider the... You know, they knew he went to work, on that Monday, on that uh, Sunday slash Monday morning, and so mm-hmm. they start to consider his work location as a possible dump site for what they now consider to be a potential homicide. And so, at 4:15 p.m. on Wednesday, police investigators start a drone search of the oil and gas site where they believe the bodies of Shannon and Bella and Celeste could be potentially located. Uh, and during this search, they find a bed sheet matching the pattern of several pillowcases and a top sheet recovered from a kitchen trash can. Oh, that's another thing. The top sheet uh, for the bed uh, at the Watts residence was found in the trash can. That's how lazy this fucker was. Wow. 
Um, and so they, so they nice. find this matching pattern sheet um, at the at his job site. Uh, police also spot a fresh movement of dirt consistent with a clandestine uh, grave near the oil tanks. That evening, they are then grilling him um, back at the police station. They've brought him in for questioning. He's not he's no longer staying at his home at this point. He's staying with some friends that are actually nice enough to believe him and take him in, which they later regretted because they were allowing him to sleep <laughs> like feet from their child. They had a, a daughter, I believe, and they were letting this fucker sleep in that house just because they bought his act. And he really didn't have wow. anyone in his corner at this time, so they felt like they were kind of doing a solid. Um, huh. Of course, they re- they went on to regret that. But how would they know, <clears> though? <throat> you know what I mean? They've probably known him for yeah, years. I, know. I mean, you can't really blame them for that. Yeah. To me, though, like, I don't know. I, maybe they were just gullible and they wanted to believe the best in everybody. I'm always skeptical of everyone, though, so I would have been like, hey, just looking at the facts, like, dude, your behavior and also the fact that they're just they just disappear their stuff's all in the mm-hmm. house and like i don't know I, I he wouldn't be sleeping in my house so maybe the most i would do is maybe give him a you know some money to, to rent a hotel or something <laughs> he's staying in my fucking house with my kid i see what you're saying yeah um well yeah but you you're you're a true crime podcaster so yeah that's true you've, you've heard you've heard these cases once or twice that's true i know human nature too well <laughs> um, so Wednesday evening after two days of investigating police discover that chris watts was engaged in an affair with a coworker. Um, according to arrest documents, in an interview with police, he was given a polygraph test in which he failed. After being faced with the failed polygraph uh, results, now you can hear all this, all of this interrogation. <laughs> I love the it's video great. of him taking the polygraph test. The lady, she's like, "Wow, yeah, you failed. You failed so bad. I had to turn down the signal on my computer, dude." She's like, "It was peaking. There was so many you failed so badly. So many subtle. <laughs> there were so many subtle ways that it was just ingenious the way that they trapped him. They they brought in." They knew they figured his character out right away. The type of person oh, he yeah. was, how he, how much of a narcissist he was, and, how, and they placated to that. They brought in this, they brought in this female uh, detective, and they basically told her to be bubbly. She also decided, like, I'm gonna play to this guy's ego. She came in right. and, he, and she started basically let, allowing him to flirt with her. Like she would giggle when he would just, you know, be his stupid self. Um, yeah. Just put him at ease. And some of the, some some of the little like jabs, though, that she said were so brilliant, where she was like, um, leading up to the uh, leading up to the um, polygraphs. So he, she, they decided, and he agreed that he would take a polygraph. And she was like, you know, like, uh, so it would be really stupid for someone who who had done this to do this polygraph test because we're gonna know you lied. So like, we we just don't, you know. Uh, just right there alone, the fact that you're here and you're willing to do this says, you know, to, it says something because so you would just be really, really stupid. To do this, I mean, if dumb. you were guilty, I mean, <laughs> just what would anyone guilty be thinking? I mean, this test is so sensitive. Right now, to be now, I don't think she was bullshitting. That test really was like they don't do polygraphs like they used to do. It's no little pressure thing yeah. on your finger and a needle scratching paper. They got your, they got you hooked up from your toes to your brain. Yeah, it's like all electronic. It's reading all it's these like pulses you, and. Yeah, if you move your ass when you lie, they're gonna pick up on that shit. Yeah, and I really think the narcissist that he was—he thought he could he could beat it. He really did. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. He went in there confident. Yep. I think he thought he was gonna beat it. Yep. Yeah, he thought he was gonna beat it. Um, and so after failing the polygraph test, they they really started grilling him like, "Hey, you know, we all know now the truth. We know you lied. Um, you might as well just come clean about this." And at this point, he begins to break. And at a certain point, he says that he wants to talk to his father. And I think he decided, you know, he was going to come clean to his dad. And I think it says something too yeah. about maybe the way he was raised. You know, you got, what do you mean? we've talked about it before, but like you got to, you, you have to hold your 
children accountable. I don't know what kind of accountability his parents had, but the fact that his father, like, he wanted to see his dad to confess that he killed his family to me says that, like, maybe he had no real kind of repercussions growing up, that maybe he was babied and spoiled, and that, that fed into this narcissist that, be, you know, of what he became. I don't know. Just a, or maybe I would not. Maybe, I, I wouldn't want to see my fucking dad if I killed my kids. Would you? Would you want to tell your dad that? Because because I would no. be afraid of what the fuck my dad. He would not be. He wouldn't react the way this guy did. Hell no. That's what I'm saying. That's to me. It's like the fact that his dad was so understanding or whatever was like. Oh, I. That's see the last person yeah. I would want to see is my dad. I wouldn't want to look my dad in the face and tell him that I killed my kids, like your grand your oh grandchildren that you love so much, like. He'd probably fucking yeah. He'd probably kill me. Like, he'd probably like they'd have to rip kill him off me. Of me. Don't let him in here. Yeah, exactly. And, and if I was in that father situation, I would be so fucking mad. That's I couldn't even look at him. I would strangle. I'd strangle my own damn son. I just. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because they're your own kids. Maybe when you're in that situation, it's different. You know, people say. You know, parents tell their kids all the time, I'll love you no matter what. And and I do feel that way, but that doesn't mean I won't beat your ass right. for something so terrible like that. But Now, that being said, he didn't worse. tell the truth to his dad. He spun a web to try and make he, him, he did. It, yeah. in a narcissistic way, to make Shanann look like the bad person. Even in death, he was still trying to belittle her. Um, and he basically broke down in tears and told his dad that he had told Shanann that he wanted a divorce, and in a, in a, in a rage... She went upstairs, and he heard some commotion. And when he went up there, she had basically strangled their daughters, and they were blue, and and they had died by the time he got up there. And in in an act of revenge for his children, he then killed her. That's what he tells his father. Um, okay. And to the police, it doesn't. Sure. They're just happy that he confessed to killing Shannon because now they have him for they have him for murder, and they know they right. know his ass killed those kids, and they'll they'll prove it eventually. But they're just happy that. He is confessed to that because now they have him and he's not going anywhere. That's right. That's a victory regardless. Yep. They know they'll, they'll yep. get the proof that he killed his kids because they knew damn well, Shanann. It's so rare that a, a mother kills their kids. And especially like you see, they, they know the kind of mother and everyone speaks to, you know, what kind of how much she loved her kids. And and it, it's it's so apparent. And then you see this guy's Listen, character. Dude, anybody that would put forth that kind of money and that go through all those treatments and all mm-hmm. that headache and. <clears throat> And then have so many small children together. She loved being a mother. She had to have. Yep. You know what I mean? She had. This to guy's have. just she, the worst. She I mean, that he, think about what he's, he's doing. What he's doing here, like he's he's making himself out to be a hero in a sense, and he's making him also making it's playing to his ego in the sense it's like that's how great I am. That when I told my wife that I was going to leave her, she the thought of her of me leaving her was so so tough to take that she killed our kids over it. Like. To me, it was oh, almost like he wanted that. this story to get out so that more women would want him or something like. In his own, I feel like in his sick ass head, that's what he was thinking. I really do. Even like that's exactly. What I he even was watched thinking. the interviews from the day after that Tuesday. The media, you know, when the media was interviewing him, and I feel like honestly, it's, it sounds crazy, but like you watch him. There's one where he's standing on the porch just outside his front door, and it looks like he's like pushing his fucking biceps out. Like I, I really think he was trying to like look sexy for the fucking camera. That's how sick this fuck was. Oh my God! I swear to God, like watch it and you really like, pay attention. He's doing that thing where he's got his hands tucked under his arms and he's like pushing his fucking biceps out. And a part oh, of what, the old bicep push. Yeah, what, what created this whole, what kind of, honestly, what sparked this this whole thing, him finding this coworker and stuff, was was Shanann's company, Lavelle. He got on this supplement thing and they got they cleaned up their diet and he had lost a bunch of weight and he got all this confidence, and then this. Coworker shows him him some attention, and that's when he's just like, "Fuck my family, 
I want a new life with this woman and all this stuff. And they're having this crazy love affair. And we'll get into more of their, the affair that he was having. And this other character um, who, who may have played some, uh, some bit of a role in this. She gets off scot-free pretty much. But at the same time, like there's some stuff that does not look good on her end. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So, yeah, he confesses to his father uh, to killing Shanann, but only after she had killed their daughters and out of a rage um, for him saying that he wanted a divorce. He claimed that he strangled her and then transported the three bodies to a remote oil storage site where he worked. So they were, they were, the police were on the right path as far as, you know, uh, looking around his, his uh, workplace for their bodies, and they were actually there. Um, and they send over a map and ask him to circle on the map of his um, his work site where the bodies were placed. And well, you know what? Not a not a very smart move on his part. Again, yeah. was we have on camera when he was loading up the bodies and when he left, correct? Yep. And then we probably the cops probably also went and looked and saw that he clocked in at work on time. Mm-hmm. And they probably did the damn math and they're like, "There's no way he went somewhere else and dumped the bodies." And that dumbass took the freaking body. He's like, man, this is this is a win-win. Yep. Killed my family and I'm on to work on time. Yeah, and and right. he even had some. Even when the police talked to his boss, there was some abnormal abnormalities as to his behavior leading up to this. He had told he had confessed to his boss mm-hmm. that he was going through a struggle with his wife. And the day that that Monday, he had already talked to his boss like that prior weekend and said, hey, I'm going to be coming into the job site early. You're going to see on my GPS thing that I'll be there a few hours early. I just need some time to you know, to get away from the family for a bit because I'm going through a hard time. So he'd already kind of accounted for strange behavior on his part at his work. And of course his boss, you know, told the police about that. And so, I mean, they, they, they knew the police knew, but they just needed him to tell him, you know, tell him where the bodies were and to confess so they could lock this fucker up forever. Right. So 1130 PM that night after confessing, to killing his wife, he was arrested on suspicion of three first-degree murder charges and three charges of tampering with a deceased human body because um, they, they obviously couldn't prove he killed his daughters quite yet. Um, Thursday afternoon, the authorities located the bodies of the Watts family on the property of his former employee, uh, yeah, because he's now been fired, obviously, and Adarco Petroleum. Um, right. And, man, just the disposal was just so dis- – like. it was bad enough killing your family and then just to, to disrespect their bodies too the way he did. They found Shanann in a shallow grave face down, um, and they found his daughters in two separate oil tanks that were side by side with it. And what's really just blew my mind is that the excess hole that he put his daughter's bodies in was eight inches in diameter, which like the they actually after the autopsy, the Dude. police determined or the, uh, the, the pathologist determined that. Uh, the widest part of their body was 10 inches. So he basically had to like force their body through this little opening. And they were basically dumped into some oil and water mixture that was in these tanks. And they were left there for several days before finally being found after he told them where to look. What a piece of shit. Right. It's disgusting. This dude's, yeah, he's got some mental problems. Anybody, oh my God. Yeah. and I didn't even know, I didn't know about that little, uh, little tidbit there well, what we found out later is it <clears throat> makes everything even worse man it's just so heartbreaking um because uh, he actually had to basically kill his daughters twice um we find out later in some writings that the first time he attempted to do it was no good so he he ends up killing his wife at home and takes his daughters on a drive to his work because they had come to from the first time he basically smothered them with the pillows and come in and uh, 
basically discovered him killing their mom. I'm like shaking even saying this, but like basically he took them. They were alive when he went to work and he strangled them or smothered them in the back of his work truck at work as they were asking him questions like, what did you do to mommy? And then the one sister had to watch her sister be smothered and knowing that she was next. The whole thing is just like as dark as you could possibly get, even for true crime. That Yeah. I, I hate that we even have to say I that. Know. I know. I really brutal. do, man. When I... Yeah, that's, that's a tough thing to talk about. Yeah, man. it's brutal, bro. <clears throat> so... Uh, we'll power through the rest of it. On August 21st, he was charged with five counts of first-degree murder, including one additional account for uh, per child cited as death of a child who had not yet attained 12 years of age, and the division, uh, the defendant was in a position of trust. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, your your father. Um, and there's some stuff out there that'll just break your heart too. Like there's there's footage of their daughter of his daughters like singing about how great their dad is. That's the kind of shit I'm just like, you broke that trust of like you're the you're one of two people in the world that they should always be able to rely on you know yeah the mother and father yeah like you're their hero for a lot you're of their women their father is the, did. for a lot of women their father may be the only man they could ever count on yeah. you know 100 percent. and then you got people like this piece of shit yeah um mm. that friday august the 17th um uh, at 8 30 p.m hundreds of people came uh, to the Watts home in Frederick to pay tribute to Shanann Watts and her daughters. And we can't forget the unborn child, Nico, too, who was also another. I mean, he this was. That's right. I mean, he was probably, he was like four months, yeah. almost four months yeah. at this time. I mean, that's that's almost midterm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, in an interview with Dr. Phil's, uh, Dr. Phil, Watts's lawyer claimed that he confessed to killing Shanann after an argument regarding divorce. During the murder, Bella walked in. Watts then told his daughter that her mother, his, her mother was sick. Um, he loaded the bodies into the back of his work truck and his daughters without car seats in the back. Later, he smothered both children, one after the other, with a blanket in the back seat of his truck. Um, <clears throat> he then later confessed. So the story kept kind of morphing, but I think this one tells the truth the most, was in a letter that he, uh, that he wrote to Cheryl Lynn Cadle, who ended up publishing a book later called Letters from Christopher. She wrote to him in prison, one of many women that wrote to him, but she was an older woman who was a, uh, I think she was a reporter and just wanted the real story. And for whatever reason, her and Chris kind of made a connection and they became pen pen pals while he was in prison. Well, I'm sure she played to his ego to get him to tell her I think so too. I mean, I would. You have to, right? if you're a reporter. You have to. Yeah. You have to almost make him feel okay about what he did in order to get the real story. Um, Right. So she ends up getting what we now believe to be the real story, that he attempted to smother his daughters first. However, after doing so and proceeding to Shanann, his daughters awoke from unconsciousness and discovered him with Shanann wrapped in a sheet, at which point he told them she was sick. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the whole story was that he, he basically, we went over it. He, you know, he ended up killing his daughters twice. Um, it's just as despicable as it gets. He ended up pleading guilty to the murders on November 6th. The death penalty was not put forward by the district attorney on the request of Shanann's family, who did not want to, who did not wish any further deaths, which is, I think, quite noble on their part. I guess basically, the mom, Shanann's mom, said that she already, he already made the decision to end her life, and she didn't want to be put in this position where she had to decide whether to end another person's life too. And maybe well, she probably thought that he should sit around and think about what he did because that—that's what I was going to say. 
if he, hopefully he has some shred of humanity. If he, if he has any, any at all, like it would only take us, like you said, a shred because how could that not eat at you knowing what you did to your, you know, to your children? <laughs> Those little girls, man, I don't, it has to, you got to have something. I mean, this dude's a fucking psycho, mm. but he's got, there's got to be something eating at him yeah. in that jail cell night after night when he's sitting by himself. Cause you can't be around people. They would kill him so fast. Oh, no, he was actually moved to Wisconsin from uh, Colorado prison because of to, for his own protection, quote unquote. Um, and it costed the state of Colorado thousands of dollars to relocate him, and I'm sure that pissed off taxpayers in, in that state even more. Should just throw him and throw him in damn San Quentin, man. Right. Well, no, San Quentin, he'll just sit there like Randy Kraft forever. Nah, somebody will kill him. Well, if he was on death Probably. row, he'd be fine. I mean, that's where all the, the Randy Kraft's still sitting there from the, after fucking forty years later after killing sixty three yeah, people. Yeah, but I know Randy Kraft killed sixty three people, but this guy killed. Yeah, he killed little his daughters, young yeah, his, his daughters, three and four year old daughters, young girls, and his wife. And I mean, he killed a pregnant woman and two daughters, yeah. regardless of. And then <clears> they're related to him. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Like. I just can't get over it, man. It, it sounds, it's easy to get jaded to this type of stuff. And, and a lot of times I feel like I am. Mm -hmm. A lot of cases I'll read through and I'm like, dude, why did you not just, why didn't you blink at that? Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit, that's some horrible shit. Right. But when I hear cases like this, I just can't, I can't get used to it. I just can't understand Me it. Me neither. It's hard to digest it. Yeah. There was, there was times where I got emotional, like watching the footage of like Shanann playing with her daughters and. The, especially the one that got me was fucking her, his daughter singing the song about how great her daddy was. That fucking part, like, I teared up. I was like, this is absolutely brutal. And it made me want to just fucking do some really bad things to that guy. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah. <clears throat> so he would end up receiving uh, basically uh, three consecutive and two concurrent uh, life sentences without the possibility of parole, and he received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of his wife's pregnancy and 36 years for three charges of tampering with the deceased body. So, I mean, as we can tell, he's never going to get out. He's going to be in prison until the day he dies. Um, and on December 3rd, 2018, he was moved to an out-of-state location due to security concerns. On December 5th, 2018, he, he arrived at the Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security prison in uh, Wappen, Wisconsin, to continue serving his life sentences. <clears throat> And so we'll talk a little bit about his mistress because some stuff came out later in documents uh, released um, in which does not paint his mistress in a very good light, Nicole Kessinger. Um, in documents later released by the Weld County, Colorado District Attorney's Office reveal Miss Kessinger's internet activity. It shows that on July 24th, uh, she searched Google for the phrase, quote, man, I'm having, an I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife. So she knew he was in a... Supposedly her story, when they, <laughs> when they questioned her when all this was going down, when the family was missing and whatnot, and when he, after, even after he'd been convicted, yeah. she told police that she would never be with a guy like that, that if she knew what he was going to do, and that he told her that his marriage was over, that they were basically just living together, but the separation was in full effect, that he was like living downstairs, and they'd been right. separated for a while, and yada, yada. But her I was just laughing at the uh, the phrase that she Googled. I wonder if that was like one of those times where Google accidentally picks up what you're saying and then it searches it. You know, what if she was like on the phone? She's like, the man I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife, Karen. Right. You know, and then Google's like, do do, we can help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the stuff. I don't know. Yeah, she does not make herself look good with her search history here. Uh, no, not at all. Um, she was also searching Google for wedding dresses and topics relating to, quote, marrying your mistress just days before he murdered his family. 
Um, she worked with Watts, and um, as we know, and she had also Googled how much money uh, author Amber Frey made in her book deal and her net worth. Now, if you don't know, Amber Frey was the mistress of a man who murdered his wife and unborn child. She wrote a book about it in 2004 and is still on shelves now selling for $12 on Amazon. That right there does not make her look good because whether she egged him on to do this or was complicit in it, uh, it sounds as though she was trying to benefit it from it ultimately either before or after. Um, yeah, I can't think of any. I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain as to why she would Google that. Right. Uh, She uh, allegedly also searched, quote, did people hate Amber Frey? So she was worried about how she would be viewed. (laughs) She she also Googled how much money Amber Frey made in her book deal and her net worth. She was the mistress of a man, as we mentioned, who uh, had murdered his family. Um, she, all, uh, she spoke about the case for the first time in an interview with the Denver Post on November 15th where she claimed the triple murderer was a liar. She said she was tricked into believing uh, Watts was a loving father, finalizing a divorce, and she had no idea his wife was 15 weeks pregnant. Quote, he lied about everything, said Miss Kessinger. Uh, the document stating that on the night before the murders, Miss Kessinger also spent 45 minutes Googling, quote, how to prepare for anal sex and the anal sex guide. Uh, this was soon after she began looking at videos of threesomes on a pornographic website. That's kind of like, to me, I don't even know if that, what that says about anything, okay? That's not fair. I know, right? Like, this, is, this, this doesn't pertain to the case. No. This, this didn't need to be said. No, we don't need to know, yeah, this is just her know personal what type of life. sex she likes. It's kind of Right. Who irrelevant. cares? How is this? Um, there was also a woman who came out later and uh, was questioned by police after she reached out to them and said that she had had an interaction with Chris Watts after he met they met on tinder um she was they were just looking uh, she was just looking for something some sex basically right and apparently chris was too they ended up meeting at a chick-fil-a and went back to her apartment he followed her there and they had what she said was rough sex and it it, she almost felt as though at certain point she said no and she she felt very violated when he left that she was glad he was gone because it was very rough and uh Hmm. On the ver on the, on the like basically on the line of rape essentially. Now she didn't she never filed a report for any of that or anything, right? She just kind of not until after. It, basically, she saw I believe she saw like in the news what had gone down and saw his saw pictures of Chris mm-hmm. and video of him talking and stuff. And she's like, oh my god, that's that dude that I hooked up with on Tinder or whatever. And so she called the cops and told him her <clears throat> told him her story. Okay, and there was also. Some stuff out there about uh, another man came forward and said that on several occasions he had had uh, oral sex. They had they had uh, exchanged oral sex with each other, him and Chris Watts. Yeah. That they would meet up and they would perform oral sex on each other and then Chris would basically hastily leave as soon as it was over. Like he was ashamed that he had bisexual tendencies or something. So Int- I just yeah. had to mention that. Hey, that's the guy in the documentary, right, that came forth early on? Was it? Is that the guy that, that, he was, uh, that he met on Tinder? I don't know who you're referring to in the, the documentary. Uh, he was like early on in the documentary. The cops brought him in as one of the earliest um, witnesses. Witnesses, right? He had uh, like longer hair on top, kind of like typical haircut right now. It's like short on the sides and very long on top, and kind of like flopped over. And he was wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he came off to me as as a gay man. I mean, he mm. carried himself at like a gay man. But the cops were like writing him off, like it was no big deal. Mm, that might, that may have been him. That's uh, yeah. Because why else they would be interviewing him? Right. The cops were like, okay, this is 
all interesting information, but how does it help our case? You know, they were kind of right, like, what right. are you doing here? They kind of It just further said more about his character that he was screwing around on several facets. It wasn't just Nicole Kessinger. You know, he was yeah. basically on Tinder, hooking up with people all over the place, men and women. Right. And, uh, and again, I think... disrespecting his marriage with his wife, and it just says something, you know, about him as a character. Right. And again, I think this is not... Uh, this is not something that had been going on for a long period of time. I think right. all this just kind of compiled right there at the end. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, I just don't think he would have been able to hide it very long. And he was easily manipulated, apparently, by this Miss Miss uh, Kessinger. He was yeah. manipulated by her to oh, take a huge he, step. He, you know. He has said he has said since uh, while in prison for this that if he had never met supposedly if he had never met Nicole that he never would have murdered his family. But honestly, I think any. Well, she may be the reason, but it could have been any relatively any woman. good woman, any relatively good-looking woman that would have showed him attention would have became that Nicole, his Nicole. You know what I mean? Like exactly. It was, it's not like she was a one of a kind. Like, there's only you know, I have to kill my family because there's no other person like this in the world. It's just a cute chick that gave him some attention, and you know, that's all it took. That's for him exactly what I was getting at. Yep, a pathetic human being. Yep. So <clears throat> that about does it, man. I'm done talking about this. Yeah, fuck, fuck face. this guy piece of shit all right i want to get into some sponsors some advertisements oh my gaia oh my gaia oh my gaia is an innovative all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness at oh my gaia they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum free organic ingredients i'm rocking some egyptian musk lately man i haven't worn it in a while and now since I put it on, it's like it's like a whole new fresh scent again. You know how you get used to one? Yep. And then you kind of don't smell it anymore? I mean, I guess other people still get to enjoy it, but... Yeah, you know what? I broke out the Lumberjack this week. Did you? Nice. Dude. How you feeling with it? Feeling classic. Good? Classic. I feel like my old self again. That's right. That's how I feel with Egyptian Musk. I'm like, this is my first love. This is the first Oh My Guy <laughs> that I really... I was like, oh my God, give me some more of that Egyptian Musk. Right. Yeah. But there's there's tons of scents, guys. There's vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, uh, lemon grasp, uh, grasp, lemon grasp. No, lemon grass, uh, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, uh, fireside. And guys, we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine, made just for us by Oh My Gaia. And because it's got our logo on it, it's got our logo on it. I mean, you can't miss it. And because I mean, you're True Crime Guys listeners, you guys can get fifteen percent off your order. If you use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or omigaia.com. Oh and that's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Do it, guys. The truth is, the truth is, if you haven't been oh my Gaia and you're not doing you haven't been doing deodorant right, man. You just you gotta experience it. Just try it. I agree. I agree. It's 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 light, it's you know, it's natural. You don't got mm-hmm. all you don't got aluminum in your pits, and it's affordable too. And it lasts a long it's time. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We got some shout outs. Oh, shit. I want to thank everybody who has been uh, going and writing and reviewing the show. Thank you so much. You guys are definitely due for a shout out. Let's see what we got. Uh, they've been rolling in, man. What's uh, what do we got? What do we got? I know I'm we've been looking. getting some new ones lately, which has been pretty. I mean, we've been getting a lot more lately, probably because we're putting out episodes more consistently. <laughs> yeah that helps that helps you know let's see what so we got today's the ninth so last week would have been the second so anything after that let's see oh yeah we got quite a few probably after like the 
first. Okay, let's see. Fearless reviewer. Yes. Five stars. Yay, where has this been? Thank you. Uh, Shaf Ozetto in Great Britain over uh, across the pond. Oh. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, great content. Love you guys. I don't know why I was Australian there. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> much as apps. My favorite podcast, five stars. Thank you. Jordan Buttersworth. Butterworth. That's an awesome name. Top show, guys. Keep up the good work. Australia, down under, mate. Oh, yes. Yeah. Jordan Butterworth. What's up, mate? <laughs> um, we got D Ram uh, from the US. Fan from El Paso, Texas. Five stars. You guys are hilarious. Love it. Thank you. Fire emojis. Nice. Uh, Chapco282023 from the US. Favorite podcast, five stars. Thank you. Uh, D Rock35 from the US. Great pod, five stars. Thank you. Uh, Fo Fi did tick yoga nailed it uh, in the U.S. totally yeah <laughs> said bomb.com five stars thank you uh, Logger Dan from the U.S. of oh, course Logger Dan's in the U.S. man that's the most American name I've ever heard right uh, said five stars great great show thank you uh, Turbo Gen 2 from the U.S. one of the best true crime podcasts five stars thank you uh, Petite to Beat uh, five stars best true crime podcast well read thank you uh broken 69 from the great from from great britain the great britain oh the great britain <laughs> uh said really great crime podcast thank you and iso 23 896 from the u.s uh excellent podcast thank you five stars thank you thank you guys, guys so much great way it. to help the show guys great way to help the show Yep. Another great way is to become a patron two bucks a month get you all kinds of premium content over at patreon.com slash true crime guys uh, I just sent out gold stickers to you, five dollar creepers, uh, Patreon people. Ooh, so those should be are coming. coming out to you this week. Hell yeah! Nice. Yep. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash True Crime Guys. That's where it all goes down. Like we said, like we've said in the last few episodes, not going to be a whole lot of those freeloader reps coming out for a little while. Right. So you got to pay to play, content. baby. I just released a, uh, a higher thoughts episode that was like forty five minutes. Dude, um, are you not entertained? How are you not entertained, right? I, I did a little interlude and gave you guys an update on, you know, what's going on with me and my life and working on the podcast and things like that. And, and then I attached a cover of an Eagles song that I did. And oh, shit. And there's also uh, about a 40-minute conversation uh, with my good friend Rex. And what I, yeah. what I was going to do... Was he, on his, was he walking on his hands during it? Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, but we do talk <laughs> about handstands, of course. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> We we were um, we were both having a very good time, and I was going to go through oh, it later and cut it out, you know, and cut out stuff because I was like, surely we had some bullshit. But no, it's actually it's pretty pretty decent conversation. I'm pretty happy with it. So I ended up just leaving the whole thing in there nice. because uh, you know, patrons they get to yep. they get to hear it all. Yep, it's what it is. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Anything else? All right, man? guys. Follow us on social well, media, guys. Instagram, True Crime Guys at at True Crime Guys on everything. Twitter. True Crime Guys. Facebook? Yep. Hey, guess what? If you search True Crime Guys, you'll find us. And the Clothes Group, probably, which has like a thousand members now. That's where the real party is, man. People talk about anything and everything in there. In the Clothes Group? Uh, yeah. Stuff that you're too ashamed to talk about with your friends because maybe yeah. they're not like you. you maybe can talk about it in there. Right. Maybe you have a, a true crime meme that's funny to you, but it's kind of like uh, off color to a lot of your normal friends and family. You could share yeah, it. Yeah, on one there. of them Dahmer cannibalism memes. Yeah. They're totally accepted on there. That's fine. Yeah, bring them on. Bundy memes, whatever you want. It's totally cool. Yep. But if you do any Chris Watts memes, we're going to kick your ass out of there. Get that motherfucker off this page. Am I right? Yeah. I'm just kidding. They're all horrible people. <laughs> They're all horrible. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Anything else, Lauren? We good? 
That's about it, man. We'll see you guys next week. Keep creeping. Yep, keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. What's up, people? How's everybody doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Even though I know the Super Bowl didn't go your way. What's that? But, uh, what you, but what's the Super Bowl? Yeah, who cares, dude? What about the XFL, right? Am I right? Dude, I don't, I don't even know what the NFL is anymore. XFL is where it's at, bro. The XFL is where it's at. <laughs> There's only eight teams, so if I pick a team, um, <laughs> I have such a better chance of actually winning it all. <laughs> right. I'm rooting for, uh, I guess, DC. I caught some highlights. Of you know their what? Game. Their it uniforms. DC are, versus Seattle. They have the cleanest uniforms. I do like that red on red. Their logo is pretty cool. Yeah. Like are they it. the closest one to me? I don't. I don't even know all the teams. Um, who's, I'm trying to think. I don't one. know if there is anything closer to you. DC might probably be not. I know Alabama. The, they tried to have a uh, what was the AFL league? Alabama tried to have a AFL league. Seattle. The Seattle has the Dragons, which is just horrible. Like it, it's yeah. corny, and then also the, the uniform is just too over the top. It's just too much. I know, but what are you supposed to do when you start a team in 2020? I mean, yeah, I don't know. You know I still feel saying? like there's plenty of stuff out there. There's no tradition, but I do think they try too hard with those logos. Yeah, you, that's why I liked the the DC ones because they're clean. You know, it's just it's red on yeah. red with a stripe, and then like the logo is very simple. Right, right. So that's the kind of stuff it. that lasts. Right. Yeah. right. Unlike the XFL, the XFL in general. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same idea. Yeah, the XFL is not going to last. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, I turned we it just, on, and I, I was kind of every time I look at the TV, I was kind of half watching it. Every time I look at the TV, the one thing was stuck out as you know compared to the NFL, and that's the the level of quarterback play. Is there's just oh, not yeah. that many guys that are capable of doing that job in the world. You know, there's like maybe 30 of them because there's always a te- couple teams in the NFL that quarterback can't even do it. You know, but right. when we go to lower levels, like every time I looked at the TV, it was an interception or a fumble from the quarterback. I'm just like, yeah, they just can't do it. Yeah, or an incompletion, yeah, just a terribly exactly. thrown pass. That's that's the worst kind of football. When you're th- when you're watching incompletion after incompletion, I'm like, just turn this fucking game off. Like uh, when Cam Newton was playing for you guys earlier in the year with his bad shoulder, who's just every yeah, ball was just, in the dirt or the stands. Yeah, exactly. It's just tough to watch, man. Especially especially when it's your team. But it's just not fun football to watch. Period. It's like somebody catch the damn ball. <laughs> so congrats to the Chiefs. Yeah, congrats to the Chiefs and the old chosen one, Pat Mahomes. I'm sure he's going to have a few more. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I'm just reflecting. It's just bad. It's bad. Ten minutes, bro. I mean, six or there was seven minutes left, and we had a ten point lead. I just can't get That's over a long it. time. Ten I points. Know, is I not know. Much. We talked about it before. I said I'd rather have a fucking lead, or I'd rather uh, I'd rather be down late in the yes. game in today's NFL. And sure enough, it fucking look what happened, dude. Today's NFL is all about the them last few minutes. We've seen amazing things happen. Yeah, come back from twenty point deficits. So I was like, ten points. I was like, man, this this game is not even close to over. This is the kind of Super Bowl you want to watch, though. I've learned. Um, from now on, I'm probably if next time the Niners make it, whether it's next year or ten years from now, I'm I'm watching it like probably alone or with just like my wife and kids, and I'm not doing a, the whole party thing because it was just not that I lost my temper really at any point. 
I kept it together, but it was just, okay. it was tough going through the emotions of like seeing that lead, like picturing the, them winning it. And then the lead just boom, it's gone. And then, you know, I, I it's definitely, it was like, I didn't want people sitting there watching me go through that. <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, rough. I see. I know what you mean. And then they're not making it any better because you know? they obviously don't have as much invested no, as a fan as you invested. do. Right. In fact, most of them kind of wanted to see them lose because, you know, I was getting confident throughout the year and they just, you know, people like to, people like rooting against you, even your friends yes, sometimes. Yes, they do. They like knocking people <laughs> off the pedestal. Nobody likes a winner. Right. Nobody likes a winner, but I like to win. Yeah. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Winning is fun. I don't play to lose. That's why I tell my kids, you know, like, hey, look, if you're going to, you're going to try to beat me in wrestling, you got to bring your A game. I'm going to slam your ass on this coffee table. You know, I don't like to lose. <laughs> I'm the same way, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously you take it easy on kids, but you got to definitely I'm, show yeah. them better, you know? Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You, because you there is gonna, there's going to come a day that he's going to be able to get me, you know? I'm going to yeah. be old. There's going to come a day, so I'm going to live it up until That's then, when you, you play know? dirty, though. You start getting dirty, you know, as you... Oh, yeah. You get smarter as you get older. Yeah, don't fuck with older guys because they'll they'll trip you or something as you run into the basket after you fucking cross them over. <laughs> we'll throw some dirty elbows inside. That's right. <laughs> Little elbow to the nose. Right. <laughs> yeah, they get dirty, boy. Yeah. Um, I think we That's should probably just add this to the end of the show. To the show. To the show.